What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, Vintage and Stuff, with your host, Drew Heifetz. Okay, today, interesting episode for you. It was the episode that was never meant to happen. I have Ava Peprock on the show of Unseen Clothing, okay? I hit her up because I'm doing a special episode. The next episode that you're going to hear is actually a multi-guest episode about the $6,000 t-shirt. So Ava and me, we're going to chat about the $6,000 t-shirt for a quick little clip. And then we got to chatting. One thing led to another. And all of a sudden, an hour's passed. And we've been talking about sustainability, the planet, all kinds of cool stuff. But how this started, how our conversation started was because ThreadUp recently put out a study. They put out a massive study that projects the resale business, secondhand and resale business to go to $64 billion in by 20, what does it say here? Okay, $64 billion by 2024. That's five years, it's going to $64 billion. It's crazy. That's a huge number. It's a huge projection. It's going from 28 billion to 64 billion. But the most interesting part of the study is that 7 billion of the 28 billion is the resale sector, which they predict to go to 36 billion. So that is 39% growth per year in our market. Our resellers market is going to grow 30% per 39% per year, which is crazy. Um, it's a really cool study. You can go check it out at ThreadUp. I'll put a link down below. Obviously, it's biased. They're in the market of reselling clothing, and they have an interest in having this study come out and promote the market in the way that it does. But I do believe it. The market is booming. You know, we've seen it through COVID. COVID has helped the market. And Ava posted this study on her Instagram. I saw it. I posted it. A lot of people saw it. We start talking about it. I'm calling this the eco episode. We get into all kinds of cool topics from this study to interesting sustainability initiatives in the fashion world to how you can be more sustainable in your daily life. We kind of just have a good chat. So enjoy this episode. But before we get into it with Ava of Unseen Clothing, a couple quick announcements, okay? You all know I've relaunched FSNFrankVintage.com, okay? We're putting up wholesale bundles. Thanks to everyone who's been copying the wholesale bundles. They've been selling out every time. But because of the whole state of the market right now, I know everyone's looking for product to resell online, go live with, auction it. That's the new thing. So in honor of that, I'm going to drop a sale on FSNFrankVintage.com for the listeners of this show. 35% off guys with code VTG, the letter N stuff. So VTG and stuff. I'll put that in the description down below. That's 35% off. The reason I'm doing this is because I want you guys to be able to go buy a bunch of stuff on my website and go resell it period. Okay. I support this. I support you guys cop and stuff that you can make a buck on. I'm totally cool with it. I don't need top dollar. 35% off for you guys at fsandfrankvintage.com with code VTG and stuff. Go grab that shit. Get our app. Get on the mailing list so you can stay updated on what we're dropping. Okay. Also, if you like what I'm doing, if you like these episodes, please go support the Patreon. Check it out. There's a link down below to that. You get lots of exclusive content. It helps me out. Helps me create more content. If you don't want to support, that's fine. I'm going to keep doing it anyway. 
This is actually only my second female guest ever on the show. We get a little bit of flack from the ladies. They want to hear more female content. And uh, yeah, I want to talk to more females, okay? I want to get more females on the show. So if you know of anybody who I should get on the show, females, or anybody in general, but specifically females, pause this, go put a comment down below. I will hit them up. I will get them on the show. Looking for ladies in the vintage biz to chat, okay? But without further ado, I have a lady in the vintage biz to chat with right now. She was in my vintage mastermind group and we got to know each other a little bit there. And she's got a lot of good shit to say about the planet. It's an interesting chat. Enjoy. ThreadUp is the company yeah. that helps like Patagonia and North Face sell their secondhand stuff, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you, did you read the report? No, not fully. No. I'll send it I've to you. I've heard this, like, I've heard this news, sorry. I've heard this news from like so many things. Like it's been in like Forbes and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that's interesting about it is that, so obviously they funded the study. So first of all, that's important to know like obviously they have shareholders and they want the numbers to look good um but it was like a third party and it's crazy like they're they talk about like what they want to do in the future and they're doing a ton of partnerships with stores so yeah like patagonia but like gap now you can bring in your used clothes and get uh credit to use in store like you get a gift card yeah so they're like doing doing that too yeah um interesting it's gonna be popping up i believe it i mean it's all just spec it's like a speculative study of course like they just put out projections but totally i fully believe it because why not like the business is booming everyone wants to get a piece of it these big corporate you know executives they see what's going on in the market they're not dumb Mm -hmm. they study things they see depops going off they see you know people selling on instagram they they understand the market so they all want a piece of it you know yeah. So right now, according to like their stuff, they're saying that all of resale is, I wrote it down, $8 billion, or $8 billion is secondhand market right now. But that's going to go to $64 billion. And Crazy. just the resale market, so taking away thrift stores and other, just the resale market's going to be $36 billion, they're saying. So they're including, are they including <laughs> sneakers? Um, I think it's all secondhand clothes. Oh, that's the other important thing about this study is that they're, uh, the people that they questioned for it were all women, uh, over 18, they did like 2,500 people. So 
I don't know how much uh, of like streetwear and sneakers they included yeah. in this, but um, because I've heard separate studies just on the the resale sneaker game, it is crazy. Or maybe it was like twenty six billion. I don't remember the numbers. I remember it was just it's yeah. projected to go nuts, and it makes sense. We're seeing it right now, and that's why we're here to talk about it. <laughs> totally. Yeah, because right now they're saying the resale market fully is seven billion dollars in. So that's all of Poshmark, that's all clothing on eBay, that's ThreadUp, that's Depop. And they, they, have to be, they have to be taking into account like the revenue from um, Value Villages and mm -hmm. Salvation Armies, that's all in there. Well, that's a whole other segment. It's $21 billion. Um, here, I'll show you real quick. Oh, because that's not considered resell? Yeah, look, so on the left, you can see they have it segmented. The top is resale, yeah. so seven billion, and then the bottom is secondhand, so thrift stores, um, and traditional thrift. Wow. So that top chunk is going to be the resale market. If this right here is Depop, Poshmark, eBay, Instagram, and this is what it's going to grow to, I don't know what that's going to look like. That's huge, huge growth, even in just the resale market, not just in the donations and thrifts and stuff. It's wild. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, it, the, the, it all comes from the donations, essentially. So the donations are going to have to big up too to, to be able to control that demand. But I guess, I guess there is enough of it. It's just there's not enough people picking it. So it's more people getting involved, more people picking it, more people selling it. That's where the numbers come from. Do you think, do you see it going where it'll be more brick and mortar? Or do you think in general retail is just going to go online and the biggest players are going to be online presences? I think there's definitely going to be a huge increase in online, but I think, I think a lot of those numbers are going to come from brick and mortar. I think there's going to be, yeah. I think like you're going to see department stores, malls, like you were saying before, malls will definitely, you know, right. Typically malls did not allow secondhand clothes. I don't know if you knew that. Right. Like you could, you could yeah. You would try to go into a mall and open a thrift store. They're like, no, we're not going to let you Hell get a piece. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're going to let that. And then all the, like Zoomies had vintage t-shirts recently. So they're going to big up. Oh, did stores. they? Yeah. So like stores like that, they'll be like, we're going to dedicate now instead of one rack of vintage tees, we'll dedicate 30% to secondhand clothes. You know, nice. I mean, I think JCPenney like shut down, but places mm -hmm. like JCPenney will now be saying we're going to dedicate 20% of rack space to vintage i've you yeah. knew this because you're in the group that's how we know each other yeah. um but i have in canada they basically we, we ran a test on four stores this summer mm -hmm. and they're basically saying if you can supply 100 stores go for it so i have to supply 100 stores with as much vintage as i want and it's basically open they're like just tell us what you want to send and send it because it's moving for them the customers there. I, so I looked into Zoomies because I was like, okay, this could be like a similar model going into a vintage version of something like that. So right now they have around 700 stores open and they're making almost a billion dollars a year. So do you think that there could be a point where we're having a dedicated chain in malls and other like shopping centers that are all secondhand? Like, do you think yeah, there could be like, for sure. yeah, 700. For sure. And I would not US. be surprised if that's round two. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I would hope that it's someone who's already in the industry, you know? Yeah, those guys are, are very smart. I'm sure they've already turned down lots of offers to go that route. And yeah. I bet you they haven't because they want to keep it core, right? They want to keep it authentic. 
they already have, well, before COVID, they were up to about eight locations or something like that already, yeah. which is the fastest growth I've ever seen in that Huge. market. Yeah. Five years, eight stores. So who knows? Maybe they will be in every mall across America. It's yeah. totally feasible. And I think as the public's perception that vintage clothing is okay and secondhand is good and recycling is good and why waste more product and waste more water and everything else, they're going to be totally ready to, to make a, a chain like that successful all over America. I think so. That was like another um, fact that popped out to me in the, that study. They said it was 90% of like Gen Zers said that they would be open to buying secondhand. And just thinking of like millennials or, gen, you know, like that number must have skyrocketed in the last five years. I love years. the name, millennials, Gen Z, Gen X. So what is Gen Z? It is cool now. Yeah. But I, I think you're right, that will be. I think the biggest challenge in growing it is keeping that authenticity. And I think that's the same thing we saw with, with any subculture. When they grow into more mainstream thing, it's how do you not disappoint your core base, but also grow and become a more mainstream product it'll be interesting to see with vintage though because it is so it's broad so and, different and this this study is not specifically speaking to vintage so it's something you totally gotta discuss it's like that study is speaking to secondhand clothes and resale it's anything it's like your hiking shoes that the guy just wants to sure. rebuy on ebay and go hiking with it's it's a modern North Face ski jacket that family can now give to their kid. It's everything. It's not just vintage. So for sure, there's going to be, you're right. It's going to get super mainstream and vintage will grow within that, but it's not just vintage. It's everything. So someone like round two could go to 20, 30 stores, hopefully remain super authentic within their niche of this market. And then for somebody sure. else could be like, we're just going like mainstream thrift in every mall and be, also, I mean, it's authentic to their own core values, right? Right. I guess it just depends how big the vintage niche of it, of resale, will get to see if it gets blown out. Like, that's the thing. It gets blown out. I don't know how that's going to play out. And I, yeah. I think if it gets too big, it becomes uncool, and then nobody wants a part of it anymore. But the difference here is we know we're doing good for the planet, so you can't just be like, ah, it's not cool anymore to wear secondhand right. clothes. It's kind of like, well, it's just the normal now. Yeah. And I think there will still be, I mean, there's always going to be like subcultures and more rare stuff. Like I think if it does blow up, I mean, there's going to be more people thrifting. There's going to be more pieces discovered. So I think that'll kind of help control the market, but there's always going to be like people who are super into really niche parts of the industry they're going to be killing it online and doing their own yeah. niche version of it. Um, another thing like you always talk about is different jobs in the vi vintage industry. And with all of this, it's, it was interesting to me because I think a lot of people right now, if you want to make it vintage, you pretty much have to be an entrepreneur. Like you pretty much have to want to start your own business in one way or another and kind of lead the pack on something, which is, awesome but not everyone wants to start their own business and I feel like right now there's not a ton of jobs in this industry I mean you can get a job at like a store or whatever but it'll be interesting to see as this blows up if these more mainstream sectors are like diving into the community and hiring people like getting consultants and things yeah. like that and giving oh. people other options 
I, I guarantee they will. And I've, I have a it's friend cool. who's in the industry and he kind of like had stores and then he was like, he didn't want to do it anymore. You know, whatever. And I was telling him, I'm like, you need to go to say Neiman Marcus or, um, any of these big places and you could be a buyer like they'll pay you a hundred grand a year to just be a vintage buyer because they all want to get in the game right so mm -hmm. it's a wicked job and it's a wicked market and if you don't want to do your own thing then you should do something like that totally and i think there'll be a lot more there'll be more platforms that come up who are getting involved there's going to be a lot of opportunity yeah it, it's like it's cool to see and it it'll be interesting to see how it plays out yeah. And as you say about the niches of the market, you're totally right. There will, there right now there is niches in the market. There's people totally, yeah. into their like ravey nineties stuff. And then there's mm -hmm. people in the skate. There's people in Disney right now. I mean, that's just kind For of sure. hype, but there's all these people into different things and, and maybe mm -hmm. that will just get way more targeted. Like Japan is where you, know, you go down Harajuku and there's girls that look like they're dressed from the 1800s or totally. all these different super subcultures of the game. Yeah, really holding on to like the core original thing that they got into. I think through all of this though, like, I mean, malls and like traditional retails changing. So I think that'll be interesting. I think that online stuff is going to continue to be huge though. Like with the virtual flea and people growing their own websites and stuff, I think those things are just going to continue to grow alongside with yeah. it. ThreadUp has an amazing platform. The, the thing about ThreadUp, and there's other companies, I think, that are out there like ThreadUp now that where you can have use them as your logistics for online selling because mm -hmm. the logistics of online selling is not simple. You know this. Anybody who sells online, every piece is unique. you got to photo every piece and you got to grade right. every piece. you got to inventory every piece. To do that on mass scale is a lot of work. That's why ThreadUp was created because they're like, we're, we're here to solve that problem for these big yeah. corporations that need it. So there is still hurdles in becoming massive online. It's insane amounts of work and it totally. cuts your profit margins way down when you're dealing with all that extra labor. Yeah. So I think it will grow, but I still think there's going to be some crushers who come in the business with brick and mortar and go super, super big. Because yeah. I think so too. You put on the racks, it's like it comes in, throw it on the racks, it sells. Plus, I've had this theory for a long time. Part of the like all, round two never went online until COVID, right? Right, yeah. And because it's a really cool experience to go to their stores, touch yeah. the product, talk to the guys, maybe they're filming the show in the store, all these different things about why it's cool and fun to go there. And as online gets bigger, people are going to start to crave real personal experiences again totally. and that's also why this virtual flea thing is working because it's online but it's also personal experience mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's why someone like round two will be the ones who blow up i don't i would be very surprised if like a third party company came in two years from now and was like okay well, we got a ton of money raised we're gonna open 10 stores like i think keeping it that cool experience and keeping it fun having random shit on the walls yeah. and different products in every store that's all part of the experience and i think for a vintage shopping experience that's what's going to need to happen to really have it blow up yeah do you know you live in la right mm -hmm. LA. you go to melrose ever and shop used to <laughs> yeah. haven't been in a few months but yeah i used to always go and just like window shop um you know that store that had that's by the pound uh which one there's one across from round two and a block. You know where their where their merch store is? 
It's literally yeah. right next to their merch store. And they okay. actually have, they have two stores on Melrose. Like it's like Starbucks. They got a store there and they got a store across the road. Mm-hmm. And the this pound? Store, yeah, it's, it's called by, it's, I don't know what it's called though. I know what you're talking about. You pay by the pound. They have like different categories. And Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. more vintage grade. I mean, it's, it's a little yeah. more thrift vibe, but it's still vintage grades. And that company has, I don't know, 10 stores. Like they have a few stores in New York. And apparently there's a company in New York that has a lot of stores right now that's kind of blowing up. The thing is, these stores that do blow up, they're not talked about because they're not sort of in the cool niche sector. They're just generalized vintage stores, right? Right. But I think branding is going to be really important um, because as much as like you and I understand like why we go into a store in Melrose and a t-shirt's $200, a lot of people don't get that yet. and I think the branding and having that really niche kind of vibe to it is going to be important um, to yeah. have people, you know, to understand that experience. If it's too, I think there will also be like more general vintage stores, but I could definitely see a huge chunk of things going to this type of vintage market, you know, 80s, 90s, early 2000s stuff. I think and it'll be huge. COVID has helped that because everyone spent way too much time online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and they've, oh, yeah. they've seen it all, right? Because if you spend time online and you follow these people and you see what's going on, you start to understand. And once you see it enough, it, you believe, you know, you yeah. believe that that shirt now is $200 value. Yeah. And all the streetwear kids who are used to paying for sneakers, which tend to go way more uh, high prices than t-shirts do, now are yeah. like, well, I pay 500 bucks, 1000 5000 for a pair of sneakers. This t-shirt seems cheap. Right. No, totally. And I, yeah, I think the, the marriage of streetwear and vintage has kind of blown both of them, you know, that I think they've really worked well together to blow up, but yeah. it should be interesting. I don't really know. They've helped them. They've helped each other a lot for sure. I remember back in the day, it was different. Rappers did not wear vintage when I started selling vintage. Right. And it took that kind of like crossover in pop culture to like merge streetwear and vintage. Yeah. When snapbacks started to be like vintage snapbacks started to be worn by rappers and other celebrities. And it was, it was so different back in the day. And then, you know, it's insane to see where it's come now. And I do think it's, yeah. it's super cool. And, and all of these different things that have happened over the last 10, 15 years have played into where it is now. Totally. It took it all. It wasn't one thing, you know, it took streetwear merging. It took the sneaker culture to blow up and then it took the snapback game to get people involved then to like be more interested in general vintage. And now I do think the t-shirt kids, you, you know, this, this, we're going to talk about this t-shirt thing in a second, but the, t- the, the, the game is run by t-shirts right now. Yeah. Eventually it won't be, I'm sorry to say, I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong. I think it'll move away from that eventually. And then there'll be a lot of people that drop out of it, but there'll be a lot of people that are like, I love it so much. I'm just going to learn about other things and I'm going to get more interested in fashion, not just t-shirts. Yeah. But I, I think also too, like with the rise of social media too, in the last, you were saying the last 10, 15 years, I think that's gone a lot right alongside everything. Like kids in the middle, I'm from Montana. Like we didn't have a big vintage scene in Montana. Um, but you know, you have YouTube, you have Instagram, you watch the round two show, like you follow people and like you start to like buy into what it is. Whereas 
when you were growing up, like you didn't have, you couldn't see some Travis Scott on Instagram no, wearing a no. vintage Nike I just sweatshirt. Bought whatever, like, I bought whatever the skate shop had, you know? Right. Whatever I would find or it's very viable now to not mm -hmm. only look within the cities to make money. You can go to a small town, probably go to Montana, open up a cooler store and make good money because these kids know what's cool now because of social media, because of the internet. Yeah. And people are doing it. Yeah. And it's working. I, I, and I think it'll continue to kind of snowball onto each other. Um, but it's cool yeah, to see that. It's not I, want to, I want to reiterate that. That's a good tip for people. You don't have to be in New York, LA. No. Chicago, all these towns. You can be anywhere now and make great money off vintage because everyone knows what's cool and they all see it. They all want it. They all understand it. In fact, I miss my Montana thrift stores all the time. I would find crazy things all the time. And here, you go to the Goodwill in LA, it's picked over. Like, people are looking through the stuff all day for the same types of things you are. So I think there's actually a lot of advantages. Now, you can grow an Instagram account to 10,000 from anywhere. Like, you can get a really good following and grow something from any part of the country or the world, really. It's cool. Yeah, it levels the playing field. It gives yeah. more opportunity. Okay, we're talking about sustainability. Yes. Obviously, just by being in this business, you are helping the planet. It's known, but I think it's not known enough. And I think you're doing a great job promoting that. And I think for all the listeners out there, you know, most of the listeners are resellers. You should be promoting it. You should be talking about it because this business is growing. It's blowing up. And you want people to know that they're buying something cool, but they're also doing good for the planet. It's, well, people so, care about the planet. They want to help the planet. I think a lot of people are seeing um, what's happening in the world right now and they want to make an impact. People are yeah. trying to make small changes in their life. And I think shopping vintage and buying secondhand is like a really easy switch to make for a lot of people. So if you're going to be able to provide dope product to people, that should also be an extra thing you're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at the economy right now, it's booming. Right now, everyone has tons of money. They're circulating all this money. So actually, vintage prices are going up. But the vintage and secondhand business can also go down and it's still fine because we have the ability to fluctuate our prices. We have the ability to drop prices. We're not buying these. I mean, some people probably are buying for too much money, but a lot of people are thrifting, buying from the bins. It's super affordable, so we can still yeah. sell for cheap. Vintage stores can lower prices, so we can we can survive massive economic crash. Yeah, we. I mean, we have a lot of flexibility with our margins, um, and also with what kind of product we're buying. Like, if you're used to buying all wholesale and you need to thrift a little bit more for <laughs> you want to get cheaper stuff, like you have a little bit more flexibility versus the regular retailers buying wholesale from their accounts, and they don't really have other options. Like, yeah, they can change how many units they buy, but they can't buy a totally different um from a different wholesaler you know yeah and with covid covid really screwed up supply chains from china which is a good thing for secondhand clothing because it means yeah. there's going to be holes in the market also a lot of companies went out of business like there's going to be definitely more big box companies that are going out of business which means again more room in the market as public perception of secondhand and vintage grows and new clothing supplies diminish it's kind of like the perfect storm for secondhand yeah. Yeah. um what do you do in your own life like uh for sustainability like do you do you practice different things that um you can share 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about like the small changes. Um, I mean, as far as like for my business, I switched to uh, from poly mailers to those compostable ones. Um, I think that's been huge for me. I think for me also shopping like at the bins and stuff, I really feel like I'm keeping clothes out of landfills. So I try to do that. I try to reuse packaging materials whenever I have them. I don't buy bubble wrap. I don't buy um, paper filler, all that crap. So that's like what I try to do for now with Unseen. But then like in my personal life, um, I also just try to support local farmers. I try to use um, like instead of Ziploc bags, I got those reusable ones. I have a water bottle. Like I'm all about all the small changes you can make in your life that are easy that I really do believe like if everyone made three small changes, like we'd see a huge, huge impact. Um, but it, people are intimidated sometimes to like just get started, I think. Well, and a lot of people feel small changes don't do anything, but it's wrong. Small changes do right. do huge, huge difference accumulated over time through many, many people. So you got to step up and do your part. It's like yeah. simple things, reusable coffee cup, um, like uh, no plastic bags, get the reusable lunch bags instead of throwing out plastic bags, bring your right. own bag to the grocery store. Those are three yeah. things that like make massive difference in your, in your life and the planet. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, one year of water bottles or one year of grocery bags is, or goodwill bags, like bring your own bag when you go thrifting. These are all like little things you can be doing that over the course of a year between all of us, it really would make a huge impact. It totally adds up. I walked yeah. down the highway yesterday and found about five masks in a bush or like throughout my little walk. I walked for like half a kilometer and a bunch of gloves. I'm sure now you're in LA, you see these masks like all over the street probably. Yeah. It's a huge problem. COVID has caused a huge problem for the planet. <laughs> billions and billions and billions of masks are being produced. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. No, I'm yeah. not gonna do with that. But probably <laughs> should buy a reusable mask. Yeah. If you're gonna rock it. And don't throw them in, don't throw them out. Like, don't throw them out this car window. Well, it's the same with everything. Like, I mean, just walking down the street in LA, it's, it's mind-blowing sometimes. Just the, how, I was in line at the DMV the other day, and there was three gentlemen in front of me who were drinking cans of Coke. And when they were finished, they literally looked, and they threw them in a bush right in front of me. It's insane. Drew. The trash can was 10 feet away. I literally, I didn't say anything because I'm not one to start a conflict, but I walked right in front of them and I picked up their cans and I walked to the trash can. And I hope they were embarrassed because it's these, it's just like a respect thing, respect for each other, like respect for the planet. Like we all have to kind of do this together. Um, yeah. So yeah, with masks, like don't throw it on the street, like yeah. take care of your stuff. But the bigger point that I wanted to make about that is that COVID has taken the conversation away from the planet, big time, I feel. And that is a, that's really bad because, you know, I get we had, there's big issues. We got to save the human race. We got to talk about all these other issues that are going on right now, but we still have to maintain our focus on keeping the planet healthy so we can survive as a species in the first place. Yeah. I mean, that's, number one really like every other issue is kind of dependent on that um on our as our future on this planet <laughs> so i just kind of you know i feel strongly about that i think people yeah. need to start thinking about this again i get at, when people are scared when people are fearful which we've been for three months four months 
whatever, they, they tend to lose sight of these things. And it's hard to, it's hard to focus on something like that when you're possibly lost your job and you got to scrounge for money or you got to, you know, you're fearful of whatever, the end of the world, the world needs help. Yeah. Um, I mean, like we were talking about earlier with just the rise of secondhand clothing, it's even if the reason why that's growing, I, I do think people wanting to be more sustainable is part of it. Let's say it's a financial thing or it's a cool thing or whatever, like whatever the reason is, uh, the market going away from fast fashion and growing into secondhand is one really good thing that's happening for this planet. And that reading that was made me very hopeful for the future. Um, and it was like the one good thing of, I feel like whenever I see news about the planet, it's kind of scary and dire. Um, and that was something that I was, that felt like a positive thing to be happening. Yeah. Well, and people don't like change. So I feel like it's a slow process, but it's cool that it's, we're starting to see it happen. Yeah. Um, I want to get into sustainability technology in fashion. Yeah. Down to talk about this. Okay. Yeah. So I went to a conference last year called Fashion for Good. It wasn't really a conference. It was a program that I got invited to. And I went to talk about Frankie and what we do with reworking. Obviously, reworking is great for the planet. You take secondhand clothes, just like selling regular vintage or selling secondhand. You rework it into something new, but out of secondhand materials. Yeah. It's combating fast fashion, combating new product. Um, so I went there to talk to them about that and what we do. And they invited me into their program where they helped me develop what we do and help me link up with different brands. But because I went there, I got to hear everybody else because it wasn't just, I was basically one of two people that were doing rework, but there was 20 oh, other yeah. companies doing a lot of textiles of and water. Yeah. yeah. Insane stuff. Yeah. Um, what are they saying? Okay. So, so <laughs> there's a bunch of really interesting things happening in fashion. Rental clothing. Have you heard about this? Yes. It's growing too like crazy, right? It's growing, yeah, and I think it's going to grow a lot more. So the, th the theory is, well, there's companies do it. Urban Outfitters has a platform for it. Mm -hmm. They called it something else, totally spaced the name of what it is. Yeah. But anyway, what they do is you become a member. You pay 80 bucks a month. Yeah. And you get to pick out three to five garments for that month. Mm -hmm. They ship it to you in a reusable bag with return postage. You rock it for a month. Package it back up and send it back to them. Pick out three to five more. And there you go. Your closet is rotating. Yeah. And then somebody else gets to wear those clothes after you're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're, uh, Rent the Runway is doing that too. I know they're doing a su subscription service now. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the best things that can happen in fashion are less, uh, less products being made. Yep. Because anything being made, even if it's done completely sustainably, is still adding to the amount of product. Or, um, yeah, I mean, that's like the main thing. So when looking at these subscription services, I mean, to service a hundred, or I guess probably 10 people, I don't know how many uses they can get out of a shirt or out of a garment, but obviously the total number of those pieces is, needs to be way less um, for them to, and I would be interested to see kind of the back end financially is working for that. Like how many times are they able to rent out a garment um, before it's worn out yeah how much money are they making off that versus if they were to sell those units individually like can this be a better business model because i mean people are obviously getting into sustainability and fashion for the ethos of it but it's a money thing too um and 
greenwashing is very prominent yeah. in fashion right now. So, I mean, it, these things also need to make financial sense. And you would think that it actually would, them being able to re, I mean, uh, rent that product yeah. out multiple times. I and, know, I know, or I mean, I know, I know about Urban because I don't know, that's who they were using. I, I do know about Rent the, Rent the Runway too, but they invested about six to $10 million into their program. It's, it's a back end heavy system because you have to be yeah. inventorying massive amounts of, and warehousing and inventorying massive amounts of clothes and being able to like get those orders out quick. And then, you, you know, that's hard enough, but then you got to yeah. re-accept them back into the system when they get sent back. So yeah. logistically, it's a huge nightmare. Yeah, it's a logistics company. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and technology, logistics and technology company. I mean, fashion is part of that, but first and foremost, that's what they're doing. They're figuring out the that's, algorithm. That, right? That's what ThreadUp is too. Yeah. You know, 100%. I mean, a lot of these sites. Yeah. So, you know, I have, those are great questions. Like I have no idea if they're making money. I think, yeah. I think it's a cool model and I hope they do make money. Obviously yeah, there, there's quite a lot of carbon, you know, wastage in what they're doing because yeah. they're shipping things there and they're shipping things back. But the kicker is if you're a person that has a subscription to one of these companies, you don't need to have a closet full of clothes. Like you now, yeah. have, cause you know, to, to look fresh, typically people will go out and they buy new stuff every month. Now mm -hmm. you're going to have new stuff every month, but you don't have to have a closet full of waste that you maybe half of it you don't even wear that often most of it you don't wear that right. often. right well and we get bored easily like we have our few favorite pieces obviously but like after a while you kind of have something sitting or it's like very fall vibes <laughs> and stuff. now it's summer it's stuff that's in the back of the closet so to keep that rotating is actually i think there's a lot of like consumer benefits to it that they can sell you on like Having well, the rotating your shopping cool. it feeds your shopping addiction, which is basically the dopamine hit we're talking about. Yeah. So then you get to do that every month. Yeah. And I mean, with Rent the Runway, a huge selling point for them is you get to try these luxury items. I mean, again, logistically and on the customer service and quality control side, I don't know what that looks like, um, how they're not like losing product and getting damaged product back. But for the consumer to be able to spend 80 bucks and get to where a Gucci piece for the month or whatever, like there's a lot of benefits for people who maybe wouldn't be able to afford to go out and, or they wouldn't want to spend, drop the money to buy a piece that they're only going to wear a few times. Yeah, totally. And when you um, look at fashion, fast fashion and online shopping, some companies get up to 40, 50, 60% returns. So what the yeah. consumer is doing is they're buying something to try it on maybe even wear it to a party one night and then they're going to return it because they know that so many of these companies have open door return policies right. and they're allowed to do that, get their money back. And the companies continue with these open door return policies because they feel like they're going to lose sales if they don't, and yep. they're going to lose customer retention and all this stuff. It's super bad for the planet. Yeah. I Buying know. something and sending it back and trying it on is insane amounts of carbon waste, packaging waste, yeah, I mean, I think the company is kind of, I mean, they started with free returns, right? I mean, now if all these major companies said you had to pay for your returns, people would be upset. So it sucks. I think where people are in a cycle and people are used to it. I mean, I did that before a few years ago. I would order a ton of stuff from Amazon and try it all on. And most of it was crappy. So you'd return most of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah, it's horrible for the plant. I think yeah. like going into the future, 
shipping is gonna have to get more sustainable too. I mean, just the way things are being transported, like hopefully flights and trains and vehicle, all of those things will, hopefully you, won't be so negative to ship something, you know? You said um, about the compostable mailers, which is super good. I see so many people double bagging packages. T-shirt sellers are putting their T-shirt in this nice Ziploc bag. Then they put it in the mailer. It's like, come on, do you need two package envelopes for one T-shirt? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Do you have the, the compost mailers that have two strips of, of sticky on them? No, I don't. Okay. I have had those ones before. Yeah, but. so that, those are really cool because now it's meant to be a reusable bag. So you use the one thing, you send it to the mm -hmm. customer, and then they can cut it, and then they can literally have a brand new envelope to use again for something. Yeah. And when I had the ones like that, I had it like, so when you say that you shipped out the item on Depop, I would tell them, Hey, by the way, this mailer is reusable. I think a lot of people might not even notice it. So I made sure to shout that out. And, and if you're doing compostable, totally packages, doing that. I have never done that. I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. You don't want them to throw it away. They can totally use it again. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Okay. On to another technology. Um, you know, you talk about flexing in your Gucci, you can rent it and uh, you don't have to buy it. There's another technology coming out where people are going to be able to superimpose themselves with clothes. So you can take a picture of yourself and then you'd be like, I want to rock that Gucci shirt. I want those Air Jordans. I want that bag. And you can be like, boom, boom, boom. Superimpose it on your body. Now you have the Instagram pic without buying anything. That's so lame. <laughs> <laughs> the first influencer that gets busted taking a picture on Melrose with the fa and someone getting the second angle of you not wearing the item. Yeah, being totally. exposed. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but people are going to do it. Totally. People will do it for sure. And I bet you people would pay. They'll be like, if I could pay five bucks. There's going to be an app. There's going to gonna be an app with a monthly subscription where you, and they have a full catalog of items you can put on your picture <laughs> and it is super lame and it's it's uh it's kind of like a game a toy it's weird it's fun but it has no real purpose besides flexing on instagram but here's where that could be a good technology if you could go to levis.com and you know how like on certain websites you can do the 3d view of like furniture in your apartment if you could do a try-on feature maybe you would lower your returns and oh i was going there next that is a thing now yeah even to the next level where you can virtual try-ons yeah virtual try-on so you can see it which obviously is important that'll reduce yeah. um returns but you know with women and buying pants it's like super important to get the waist fit the butt fit everything you want to know yeah. that your pants are going to fit they have it so dialed where they body scan you and they get you like so measured just by having like your boyfriend or whoever take a picture of you and then yeah. they perfectly fit you. There's even companies coming out where they're like, well, like make to order is another big sustainable yeah. technology because so now they can body scan you, you upload it. First of all, you'll always have your body scan on there now. Bodies change. You might have to re-upload it once in a while. But uh, and then <laughs> after quarantine, after lockdown, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and then uh, and then basically, you get like a perfect pair of fitting pants that's like hundred percent custom tailored to your measurements. Yeah, I think I saw a company on Shark Tank doing that. Actually, um, 
I think it could be great. I think when it's going to really blow up is when companies that people already know start integrating that technology. I feel like right now it's kind of at the stage where like, like on Shark Tank, the one I saw, it was like this new company and you could do that. And I think that's kind of a hard sell to a new customer because you're selling them on the brand and this new made to fit type situation. Um, But when like you I was saying, like when you can go to Levi's.com and live scan your body and get perfectly recommended Levi's, even if you're supposed to be a different size in this one style, like that's one of the things that people like about the experience of shopping in a store is getting those recommendations from the sales associate. But if they can get the algorithm to do that, I mean, they're in good shape. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll, they'll take it to the next level. They'll be like, oh, those jeans go perfect with his pants. Now we're superimposed with the shirt. Here you go. Random slide through like our whole catalog, you know, yourself and all this stuff. And you're just going to be like going nuts with it. Yeah. Talk about dopamine. (laughs) They're going to put a filter on it too. Yeah. You'll get like butterflies here and stars. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's super interesting. Another tech that's kind of on the similar vibe is that um there's it's called sozy i actually remember the name of this one amazingly it's called (laughs) sozies okay okay and what it is is you can become a sozy i guess sozy means like a fit model in another language um okay and what it is is so if, if a company has sozy on their website like the technology implemented on their website as a sozy person you go into that store try it on go take a picture of yourself in the change room and it uploads to the site. So then when someone's shopping on that site for that garment, you can see all the Sozies wearing it. And the Sozies, the point is that they're all different body types. Okay. Are are a lot of companies doing that so far? This, I think at the time, almost a year ago when I learned about it, there was a few big majors doing it, but it hadn't taken off crazy yet. But I thought about that for Frank. I'm like, this is actually kind of killer. Yeah. Girls can see it on different body types because typically a model is always very specific body type. Right. I I mean, whenever you go to like any mass retailer website and you go to the uh, product page, most people are scrolling down to the reviews anyways, or going down to the photos and seeing if there's a person in that yeah, a I lot don't. of people have the social proof now where it'll be like Instagram posts shouting them out about that product or something, mm-hmm. you'll see that. And the cool thing about the Sozies is that these women get paid to do this or guys can be a Oh, so there's so an like, Yeah, so okay. the, the plan That's would be for them to get big enough where they're in multiple, multiple companies. You could go to the mall and just be a try on Sozie for the day and like make a few bucks. Cool, yeah. So it's an interesting concept. No, that's good I, because I think the biggest thing right now is like, I, okay, I'm not going to take a picture of myself in my pants and write a review about them. Like I don't have any incentive to do that, but if I was going to get a $5 gift card for doing that and through this like website that was legit and I could do it to many, like you were saying, it could be a good model because people would have, as long as the incentive wasn't enough, people would do it. Yeah. That's good for the company. I think that's good. Again, it helps with less returns, more, body types can see what it looks like on them and yeah. that increases buyer confidence for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Another technology. There's lots of crazy stuff going on. Um, Good. Yeah, it is rad. 
So recycling garments is tricky. If you have a cotton t-shirt, it's a little more simple, even though they're not really recycling much cotton, but to recycle, say a leather jacket, right? Now yeah. you look at that leather jacket, you could, it's leather outside, liner could be like a satin or a nylon. You're gonna have, possibly have buttons or a zipper, possibly have some snaps. There's many different materials and parts to a jacket. Yeah. What this company did was they came out with a special thread, okay? The thread disintegrates at a certain temperature. So it's a high What's temperature. temperature? <laughs> I don't know the exact temperature. It's hotter than it'll ever You'll get. You'll be good though. You'll okay. be <laughs> Your jacket won't fall apart. Um, and then, so to recycle their garments, you bring them back and then they throw them in the special dryer, tumble them for a while, the thread disintegrates, and now you have your jacket broken down into all the different materials. Your leather's separate from the liner, the zipper's separate. Because something I learned at this conference too was that sometimes, I don't know if you've ever seen them in the bins or something, but sometimes you'll get a shirt with like the buttons like cut and there'll be these holes where the buttons mm -hmm. are. Because they're going and they're cutting them off because otherwise you're not going to stitch rip every button. No. So you're wrecking that shirt, you get the buttons off, but this way all the buttons are just off, the zipper's off. Now you can take all the different materials and process them how you need to. Yeah. I Is that, what's the cost difference? I, I think with all these things, as long as it gets normalize enough and they can bring the cost down enough yeah totally every company I, I don't know exactly i think this this was a new technology they had in implementing yeah. much they that's with all of these it. things though is i hope that they can get enough traction enough momentum where the reality is only a certain amount of consumers care enough to shop completely based off something like that like oh this company has the thread that disintegrates yeah. so we want it to get to and a I mean, point where it would be a selling point but it would also be like you wouldn't market it you would market it more as in bring it back to us and we'll give you a cut, we'll give you a credit because now yeah. we can fully recycle that. No, I think that's great. I, if that's a huge um, deterrent in items being able to be recycled, um, I mean, these things are getting made whether or not they can be recycled so we can make them more easily recycled. That's a great thing. Yeah. Have you seen the Adidas shoe they made called, uh, well, the Witherspoon just put out the Super Earth. You saw that? Yeah. Yeah. Which looks really cool. I love the shell toe because I used to skate in those shoes when I was a kid. Yeah. Those are fun. I don't really know though. Did any of the marketing actually say what the environmental impact was of the shoe? I think so, but I do not know yeah. what it said. They made a <laughs> but I think they were promoting it. Adidas made a shoe. I need to look into that because it's just called Super Earth. It's some of those things where you see Super Earth and you're like, cool, it's good for the planet. I yeah. actually don't even know why it's good for the planet. I would like to know. Yeah. Um, so they made a shoe that was all made out of one material, Adidas. It was limited and they're just test running it now. It sounds weird because you can't, what, the sole can't be the same as the upper and the laces, but it actually oh, is. Right. It's like a plastic composite, like a recycled plastic composite, but it's 100% okay. recyclable. So you know, the upper is still pliable, like regular material. It's just made of the same material. The sole's made of the same material. The laces are made of the same material. So the theory and the program they're running is you buy the shoe, wear it till it's worn out, you bring it back. They throw all these shoes because it's just one material into this mm -hmm. massive chipper. It chips it up and it spits out new shoes of that same one material again. That's so cool. So it's 100% recyclable infinite times. They can just keep doing that? Yeah. That's, That's awesome. So they test ran this with just, you know, a couple hundred influencers, let them rock yeah. them for a long time. 
They brought him back. They made the second round and they're doing a test run, but it's going to come out soon. It's super cool. That's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, less products getting made out of new fresh things and them being able to be recycled is a major win. I think having companies like Adidas doing it are awesome too. I think having companies that people are already into and people already are interested in and want to buy products from them taking these or looking into these new technologies and trying to grow um, new sustainability efforts is really important. And it makes it, it continues to make it an exciting thing that people are looking at and trying to pay attention to with companies. Yeah. And we all know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but marketing is all about the story. Totally. A lot of companies are looking for good stories and these are great stories. So it's good. It works both ways. It's like now they have the story to tell. They use the <laughs> stories to, to make more money, but they're also doing it in the right way and helping the planet. So holy yeah. shit. It's a net win. Yeah. Do you have any other weird things you've heard in the sustainable fashion world? I mean, those are a lot of the main things. Um, something that's interesting that COVID kind of influenced i think a lot of the luxury brands are going to start doing fewer seasons um so that should be interesting to see how that trickles down um you know before they i don't even know how many a year but there's pre-fall and resort and a lot of these big brands are only going to be doing two shows a year now um so as far as sustainability it's not really a tech thing but just seeing i'm interested to see if there's gonna be fewer seasons of clothing coming down through the fast fashion pipeline too yeah, which is great. This goes back to yeah. the whole COVID reevaluating, making the level playing field for secondhand. They're going to make less clothes. You know, maybe it's not all about, always about massive corporate growth. It's more about being sustainable as a company with your product, but also being sustainable as a company financially. Yeah. You got to be able to, you know, if something happens like this, you can't be so leveraged that you just topple over when shit isn't going the way you like it you know yeah and i think we like have been going through a period of pretty big consumerism the last handful of years but i feel like it's kind of gonna start i think we're already kind of seeing it kind of sway into the other direction i think like minimalism got really um mainstream got really popular a lot of the people have been looking into like the quality of the pieces and again seeing it with second hand so yeah i think we're seeing a pretty big shift and i think that's just gonna like continue just in general with all these new tech changes and everything, it's all going to kind of combine into this interesting, it's going to look pretty different, I think, in 10 years. It's a great time to be alive, Ava. Scary time. <laughs> That's it is scary. But we're, tra- we're trying to t- think about the positives right now. Yeah. No, it's exciting. Um, I think, obviously, it's been a weird time, but I think through this time there's also been a lot of positives i think a lot of people have started new businesses i think a lot of people got into hobbies again um and so i think there's some i think there's a lot of innovation coming yeah and a lot of businesses reevaluated things yeah evaluated the way they were running you know like you say innovations like the, the virtual fleas is a total yeah. part of innovation the whole way we think about selling vintage has been changed in the last three four months do you have any shout outs we're gonna we're gonna call it on this episode uh you know i don't really have any shout outs right now um honestly like a lot i like i was saying at the beginning i started my unseen clothing account february 2019 so it's been pretty fresh but from the beginning like all my friends and family back home were super supportive in it they didn't know what the hell i was talking about selling t-shirts 
they were so confused by it, but just having everyone support me back home and believe in that and just accept that I'm rolling with, it's been really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Last but not least, let's come up with a challenge here. This is like an eco episode. What can we challenge our customers to do? Let's try not customers, the listeners. Yeah. I, so if you're a reseller, I want to challenge you to switch over to compostable mailers. That's like such an easy change and the cost difference is not that bad. And there's no reason why anyone who is in reselling should be using plastic mailers anymore. And like Drew said, don't double bag your things. <laughs> okay, great challenge. Don't double bag and use compostable mailers. The cost so difference is small. It's super good for brand building. It, it adds a whole nother layer to what you're doing. Your customers will be stoked. It differentiates you on mail day. Uh, so we didn't even plan that, but thank you for doing that challenge. But I'm going to put the link down below for those mailers so you guys have no excuse. The link is in the description here. So easy. And on my reviews on Depop, like all the time, people mention that they notice it and they appreciate it. So rad. Yeah. Thank you, Ava. Great chat. Thank you so much, Drew. And yeah, um, are you going to be doing another mentorship program? I, it's not planned at this point. Thinking about it, I'm reorganizing my thoughts on life and uh, definitely doing something at some point. Yeah. Well, that was really positive and it was really cool to connect with people in the community. So if you do do that again and people are interested, they should definitely do it. Awesome. Again, yeah. I didn't plan, I didn't tell her to say that. No, <laughs> seriously. Did. Like it was really, really cool to like, like I was saying, newer in the industry and to be able to like authentically connect with people that are serious about this was really, really helpful for me. So I do appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. I'm so yeah. happy you, you liked it. Again, yeah. I'll put a link to the mailing list down below so you can get on my mailing list to be notified of all types of stuff I do like that. Okay. okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks again, Drew. Thank you for listening. I truly appreciate it as always. I hope this episode, you learned something and it inspires you to make better decisions in your life and in your business for the planet. I am not perfect. My business is not perfect. I'm working to make it better all the time, make it more sustainable for the people involved, for the planet. That's all you can do. You just got to keep pushing forward. Okay. Again, if you like what I do, if you like the podcast, if you like the videos I put out, please go support me on Patreon. If not, I'm going to keep doing this anyway. And like I said before, F is in frankvintage.com is 35% off with code VTG and stuff just for listeners of the show. Okay. I'll put that down below in the description. If you want to shop, if you want to cop some stuff to resell, go check out F is in frankvintage.com with code VTG and stuff. All right. Thank you, Ava, for coming on. It was a great episode. I had a lot of fun. See you guys on the next one.